and we're live what's up everybody welcome to bible and banter i am your host eric reynolds joined with my uh, very handsome and wise guest co-host michael miguel <laughs> alex what's up mike well uh the ceiling <laughs> oh man thanks for the dad joke <laughs> i am well thank you for having me again well, I think we're kind of, you know, it's, uh, you've been on enough. You are like a, your special co-host now. So it's not that I'm having you anymore. You are part of the, um, the material of this program now. I'm a C-lister. I'll get it. I'm in there. I wouldn't, no, no, you're definitely not a C-lister, man. You're much higher than that. I would say at least B minus. B minus. Yeah. <laughs> I worked hard to get there too. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we were just, so today we're actually going to talk, um, about some, some Twitter beef going out in the Twitter sphere, which, uh, Mike is quite active on, on Twitter. I'm, I'm becoming more active as I, I get to engage in different spheres. Most of it's hockey related, but now I'm kind of, uh, finding myself sucked into things that are in the, especially the reformed evangelical world that I just wasn't privy to before. And now mm -hmm. I am, and I would say I'm much worse off for it. So now we're going to share that with the rest of the people so that they can be terrible people like you and I. Mm. Uh, right on. But first, we kind of, well, before we were talking, because we're going to be talking about uh, John MacArthur a little bit and his favorite soda. You know what it is, Mike? I've heard through the grapevine or should I see grapefruit vine that it is fresca fresco which fresco no it's fresca okay so yeah, i'm mistaken but j mac hates women so he might go with a more masculine sounding name which would be fresco <laughs> and yes I, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that not funny is that not funny no? it's funny uh, uh, I wish I could say I disagree with you, but I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm assuming Tom is posting right now his Advent Christian voices because he said Mike is the yeah. crazy uncle of it's, Bible banter. And he is Are you Uncle Rico? Uncle Rico. Yes. I'm just <laughs> I'm just out back throwing my football. <laughs> I I'm not even an Uncle Rico because I didn't play any sports in school. Really? No. I was too <laughs> Nothing has changed, but I was too lazy. Too lazy. I yeah. thought it was because you're nerdy. The both. I can't say. I can't say no to <laughs> either. It's a, it's a both and. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, so we were talking. Uh, we we're comparing because I was saying how terrible Fresca is, and yeah. um, then we compared it to what I think is like every Mainer's favorite drink. Mm -hmm. um, which is moxie correct um, it's so disgusting it is the worst thing i've ever had yeah so my understanding except my wife okay so generally i think if you're born in maine you are native to maine you love it with the exception of a few like my wife who's born and raised in maine and in this area of maine hates it doesn't like it but generally, I would say 90% of the main population love it. And it is, it's basically if you were to combine Dr. Pepper and like every single gross tasting cough syrup you can find all into one bottle and, and shake it up and think you enjoy it. So do you like Dr. Pepper? 
I do like Dr. Pepper. Okay. Um, Tom says he loves Moxie. And so does Bigford, apparently. Oh, well, my Bigford God. Cancel. Cancel. That's it. You're off. Block him. Ban him. <laughs> Tom, Tom right now is in the middle of removing me from having rights to manage the Evan Christian <laughs> Bush page. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, and Bigford is a, a, a main born and raised, so he gets a pass. Um. I'm pretty sure that's one of the first things they make you drink as a baby up here. You don't get breastfed. You get moxie fed. <laughs> well, never mind. There's a joke in there. I'm going to refrain from it. Mike, I feel like you're, you are, are moving towards my worst inclinations. You bring out the worst in me. <laughs> you know, I've heard that from others. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a change of scenery. The last two times you were on the show, you were in yeah. your garage. I remember that's correct. Did, your, did was, your wife now let you come into the house? Well, no, this is actually my, my church office. Oh, um, I was on a kind of a mini, a mini vacation, just not putting in work in the office last week. And so uh, when I'm not working, I try to stay away from the office as, as much as possible. So you have, it looks like there's a fireplace behind you. You have a fireplace. There is a fireplace. It needs to be it, for the first Eight years, nine years of my pastoring here, it leaked, but we got it sealed and fixed by some masons. And so it technically could go but, and work, but I, I don't know when the last time it was clean, and I'm fearful of causing a chimney fire. Well, just like Maine does have gas heat now, right? Or they still only heat things with, with firewood and coal. Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> we have that too. We're, if you walk through our building, you can see the different generations of <laughs> since the seventies of different ways that they decided to build build things incredibly unwisely. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Sturdiv. I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher that name. The Sturdiv. reason we're the the reason we're laughing all the time is because Mike is in, in incessantly funny. <laughs> it's so true. You tickle me to death, Mike. It's okay. That that's just creepy. <laughs> so, so we are. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about some Twitter beef out there. Hopefully, we're not stirring any Twitter beef. Like, hopefully, people aren't adding us. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, in fact, let's let's just share real quickly. They people, if you are on Twitter, you can follow uh, Miguel. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? I don't even remember. It's Mike Alex, Mike. Oh, at Mike R Alex, A-L-I-X, Twitter.com. I have no idea what the ending of it. It's at Mike R Alex. Yep. And then I'm uh, at Eric B Reynolds, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. Make sure you spell my name correctly, E-R-I-K, or else you're not going to get me, Eric B Reynolds. So um, Twitter, man, Twitter is very different than Facebook, first off. Yes. Um, what do you prefer, Facebook or Twitter? I, I prefer Facebook for human interaction. I prefer Twitter to just like watch the world burn. Okay, that's good. It's so you enjoy watching things destroy themselves. Yes. Yeah. So Twitter is definitely a place where rarely is there positive dialogue sometimes there is right um i would say that the more left you are and the more you stay within that leftist circle the it's a safe space so to speak 
if you if you lean anywhere so like we're talking about the reformed circles um you have the reformed fundamentalists and the further from fundamentalists you get the more easily you're attacked i would say right would you say that's about right yep yeah yeah so we had some we had some controversy over the weekend um you want you want to share a little bit about it mike uh, sure. Set up the two uh, parties for us. The two the two parties in this uh, in this beef. Right. So most of us who are in this Christian subculture and Christian celebrity know the name John MacArthur. He's been in the game for many years. Uh, Grace Community Church out in California, IA. Um, the Socialist the, Republic. Uh, Socialist Republic. Uh, you know, solid teacher of the Bible. Just a few years ago, finished preaching through every book of the New Testament. Um, you know, so solid, solid reformed pastor, thinker, everything. Well respected. Uh, well respected, generally. Um, uh, he put out a blog, basically, in a nutshell, saying it's time for churches to civilly disobey any restrictions that the government puts on them due to COVID. Uh, specifically, really targeting not being able to gather in person, whether it's by smaller groups or not at all. It's time to civilly disobey. Jump over to our brothers in Christ, also Nine Marks Ministry, uh, Jonathan Lehman, who is a big church membership guy. He like does. He's like writes all about their church membership and why church membership is important. Uh, puts out a response. I think a response to um, MacArthur's piece, basically in a gist saying, not that MacArthur is is necessarily wrong but we need to be more open to allowing other churches to disagree and, and submit to the government during these times. So John MacArthur seems to be saying every single church should join us, sign the statement and civilly disobey. Jonathan Lehman seems to be saying, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit and realize that there's some room within scripture to say, well, no, at least we think it's okay to limit our gathering by request or command of the government for the time being, uh, would you say that's a kind of accurate? Uh, I think that's I think that's like eighty percent there. I think that's okay. that's a pretty solid summation. Um, I I would add so the J Max side, uh, John MacArthur. So his was more of a statement from the elders of Grace okay. Community Church. So it wasn't simply a John MacArthur statement. It was an elder statement saying this is what we are doing. Uh, we feel that the the state is um, imposing on our ability to worship the Lord. He actually has a great quote from, I think this it was out of this past Sunday or the Sunday before, in which he said that um, <clears throat> Christ is the head of the church, not Caesar. Uh, amen. Like we should all amen that. And so here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff coming out on both sides that we need to amen. Um, and we're talking about the, the, the nuance here. So, mm -hmm. so in general, and here's the frustrating thing is that, I think GCC, Johnny Mac, and the Nine Marks folks agree in principle, but it's in the nuance in which they disagree, which is so often in, when we're talking about theology and practical sides of ministry. So GCC elders, they had it. There was nothing. In fact, there was um, I think it was. I'm trying I'm trying to think if it was in a podcast or, or whatnot that I heard this, but essentially 
Um, Dever and Lehman, who are the nine marks folks, saying, man, you can amen and agree with everything in that statement. There's only a pause for concern. And I, it wasn't a podcast. I think it was the most recent Pastors Talk podcast from nine marks in which uh, I think it was Dever who said, we're going to read more charitably into this, although it is somewhat vague. You know, so he says, like, I believe they're leaving room for this, but it's not explicit. Therefore, I'm going to expound on it, which was there. The GCC statement said, we ask others to join in our faithfulness to Christ. Um, it, that's kind of the gist. That's a that's a quick summation of what what they said. And when you read it, at least for me, when I read it, I went, "Ooh, I love this statement. But this one aspect of the statement, it sounds like the only way that they believe you can be a faithful Christian and a faithful church right now is to disobey the government. And Jonathan Lehman wrote two blog posts. One was an initial blog post and one was to clarify his remarks on nine marks over the last few days that simply said, you know, the gist of it is, Hey, we're just looking for clarification and that there is room for disagreement on this issue. Um, and Phil Johnson um, pretty much took that about as well as you might drink a a glass of pickle juice. Um, mixed with moxie. Mixed with moxie. Um, oh, that sounds like <laughs> unholy union. Baptized <laughs> <laughs> with the in the church oh. uh, within the church of Satan. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so Phil Johnson, who again I think we both affirm is a brother in the Lord. But he's also kind of like the, I think he's the chief editor. I'm not sure what his specific title is, but essentially he manages the Grace to You organization, which is an organization affiliated with Grace Community Church and John MacArthur and all. They've been putting stuff out for a couple of decades now, maybe longer. And um, he has been attacking mm. uh, Lehman. Um, so he, he took issue with Lehman going to a, a, uh, a protest a couple of weeks ago, Lehman posted about it on Twitter, which, I mean, I read what this was before this controversy. I read what Lehman put and it seemed very even handed set sounded gospel central centric. I didn't think anyone could ever have a problem with it, but apparently Phil Johnson who drinks um, pickle juice with everything that he eats must've had a problem. I don't get it. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, we can't stick to the discussion. <laughs> we have to go out, go out and find other reasons not to discredit what person say a person saying currently. Mm -hmm. So, okay, uh, you don't agree with me on this. Well, let me find all the other places that you disagree with me to show you how contrarian you are and how we shouldn't listen to you on this. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are sometimes like if someone has a history of being like lacking credibility, then yeah bring that in but up until now i think everyone would say nine marks and jonathan lehman are, are solid guys that we should listen to and respect and good golly can we first can the christian church for once realize that you can have a separation between the statement and thought behind black lives matter and the organization yeah the organization is its oh, sake the organization is some crazy the organization is crazy and we should yeah. do all that we can to fight against the organization. 100%. The idea that black lives matter, we should all affirm. Right. Like I would put it this way. If we were in China, would we have a problem with saying 
Christian lives matter? Or would we all of a sudden say, nope, all lives matter. Can't say that. Yeah, I, it's, it's tough, but that, that's a whole other episode. That's, that's other a whole, you already had that discussion. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm putting you back. We, we already <laughs> fixed the world in that aspect a few weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it, he, so he attacks Lehman on that. And then just today I shared with you and, and I actually replied to, to Phil because um, I'm an idiot, but you know, he <laughs> posts an article from 2014 that um, Nine Marks posted. And again, he, this is like the second or third time he's brought it up in the last few days regarding nine marks and Jonathan Lehman is that this article from 2014 that was shared um, on nine marks that Phil just shared. um, The title is all together now from multiple services toward a single assembly. I remember I've read this article before and I've heard them talk about it on their podcast, the nine marks folks, Myself and I and I would include myself in this. This is a position that I have. Multi-service, multi-site is not um, is not the assembly. Uh, mm-hmm. The assembly of the congregation is all members of the congregation together. If you have three services, you have three different churches. That's just mm-hmm. ecclesiologically. That's how. You, that's why it's so important for us to read things biblically and draw our theology from that. And then, how does it work out practically? That's the nine marks position. That that's my position as well. So Phil Johnson, um, John Mack, all those guys affirm that as well. Mm-hmm. But where Phil um, Phil posts a follow-up to that uh, under that same tweet and says, where's the outrage? Or, or excuse me, he's – I'll pull it up. Uh, let, me, uh, yeah. let me pull up because I, I don't want to misrepresent him. Here, do, do you want me to, to read it? I got it right here. Oh, yeah, go ahead. He says, we appreciate J.D. Greer. This is, He's quoting – uh, Lehman. He says, we appreciate J.D. Greers, who's a megachurch pastor, and the elders of Summit Church decision to suspend regular worship services and turn the 12,000-member Summit Church into hundreds of house churches for the remainder of the year. Mm-hmm. And he, he's kind of doing that as a uh, to kind of show a contradiction. Right. But, Which, again, I might be dumb. I don't see that as a contradiction. Well, here's the thing. In the original quote from 2014, that he quotes Lehman says the ideal is gathering together in as a local church in a single room. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that the circumstances that we are dealing with in 2020 are not ideal. Right. Right. So, so let's have some charity. Let's have some, some patience with one another and some flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree the ideal, everybody all together, same room. Um, but at the, you know, a thought that kept, that kept running through my mind as I'm thinking about this, as, as I'm sitting here and I'm like, at what point, like what number does a constitute, does a church make? Like how many attend, like members or attenders do you have to have in order to be considered a church? Doesn't matter. I mean, are, you, are you, are you posing the question hypothetically or do you want an answer? I want both. You know, think about it and don't give an answer. But, you know, in, in my opinion, you need at least two people to be a church. Mm-hmm. Two believers in Jesus Christ, confess, confessional believers to be a church. because it, And then gather together to be that church. And so there's was, there was nothing wrong with a church saying, for this time period, we are going to separate. Even though we're part of the same church, we're going to separate for a time period an indefinite time period, or at least till the end of the year, 
And we're, we're still gathering as a church because that's what the word means. It means assembling of the people. Like I can't be the church alone on a lake fishing. Mm-hmm. That's not being part of the church. The, the church is the gathered, worshiping people of God. Okay. And so whether it's in groups of 50, 100, or 2,000, you, you know, we have to get, get away from it. And I, and I keep getting the feeling that uh, we're really just fighting a numbers game when we can still follow the, the Lord's commands, even at a, a smaller scale and in different locations. Well, I don't I'd say know. This, like, the, the size of the church doesn't matter. How many believers do you need to constitute a church? It doesn't. That is asking the wrong question. Um, I at least think when you look at the New Testament and see what the church is responsible for, mm-hmm. you need as many church members as it takes to take care of those things. So, <laughs> you know, preaching of the word, administering the sacraments, uh, church discipline, um, discipleship, evangelism. Those types, if you can do those, um, whether it's two people or 200 or 200,000, that doesn't matter. So like in, um, you know, I'm, I've cooled off on JD Greer. I used to like him more than I do now, but um, not not that he really cares um, or that I matter, but uh, just to say, I'm not a fanboy of, of JD Greer, but, and and they're actually pretty large. Like they're, they're only about 20 or 30 minutes from where, where my church is. Mm -hmm. Um, and and they're planting campuses all over the place, and we've had we've had people even from Advent Christian churches leave our churches to go over there because they see how effective they are missionally. Um, but you know, I do commend them in the sense that okay, you can't get two thousand people together, however many members they have. Let's assume it's two thousand um, in one place right now. It's just not going right. to happen uh, mm-hmm. unless you're a casino in Nevada. But, um, you know, establishing house churches that might be a place where people can gather together in a more intimate environment. Can they do those things? Right. Can they um, can they administer discipline? Can they have the sacraments? Can they have someone preaching there? Like one of the like uh, the the multi site uh, model of, of church where you have someone streamed in like you have a live preacher streamed in. I don't think, I don't think that, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into ecclesiology, I'm, ecclesiology right now, but to me, that's just not the same thing. Um, so, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. That's on them. And I praise God for, for giving them hopefully wise elders and, and leading mm-hmm. them in the midst of this. Yeah. You know, for us, I mean, you and I talked about it last week, your church is doing something different than our church is. If we didn't have the capabilities that my church currently has, we might be meeting indoors. You know, we'd be closer to that than we are now. And we, ha- if we had different capabilities than any Sunday that we could, weather permitting, we'd be doing what you're doing probably. Yeah, because don't you guys still get about like six inches a day of snow in July? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No wonder you guys have to drink Moxie. <laughs> 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 it fits our depression. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows that you really hate yourselves or else you move south. Um, yeah. So, so Mike, how, what do you think it shows seeing the back and forth going on between these two? I mean, two incredibly influential groups within our circle. Yeah. It shows me that Satan can even use well-respected people to get us off course and kilter. Mm-hmm. 
that any anyone, even even famous, well known, well beloved, well beloved, respected leaders, can still err, even publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even saying who I think is erring more than the other in this situation. Um, yeah, because one could easily say, and I did. I don't know if this thought crossed your mind, but it did for me. Initially, I thought. Why, why is Lehman even writing an article about this? Mm-hmm. You know, like this li- literally, if you look at how it got started, it does kind of start with nine marks and Lehman writing the blog post and article that he did in, in taking umbrage with or asking for clarification from GCC. Mm-hmm. But then as I thought about that, because that was my first reaction, mm-hmm. I thought, well, they are, you're talking about an extremely prominent church extremely prominent ministry and extremely prominent pastor. Um, you know, I mean, J-Mac has his own study Bible, you know, his own commentary series. I mean, he is one of the most well-respected Bible teachers of today. Um, so to have a statement like that, that could come across, or at least um, for many, it seemed as though they were saying there's only one path forward for the church and this is it on a matter that, you know, I think most agree that there should be some charity in. We might have different convictions because we're in different contexts and different situations. And I went, yeah, that might be the most responsible thing, the way that Lehman did it. I have no doubt that probably, you know, Lehman, Dever, um, they all get the phone numbers of the guys over at GCC. Like these are people that spend time in green rooms at conferences talking about things. So they must have each other's phone numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder how much of what we're seeing it's just them having public discourse, but they have the ability to have that discourse in person or over the phone if they so right, true. right. And and, and I'll, I'll just say it. I, I lean towards the spirit of Jonathan Lehman, although there are days when I'm like, yeah, let's stick it to the government and let's just get rid of all restrictions and and whatever and do what's necessary to keep our people safe and everything. Considering you know, this is very seemingly very contagious, but. Um, you know, I, I keep looking back at scripture and, and I keep seeing examples of Christians that didn't try to stick it to government, but they used wisdom in their response to what they were facing. Mm-hmm. Persecution either on the local level or the governmental level. You know, Paul used the, the privilege of being a Roman citizen to get out of trouble, but uh, at the same time, there were times when, you know, the local rabble, you know, when he had to leave Thessalonica early, you know, you know, you know, he did, he chose not to, to resist <laughs> at that point for the safety of the local church. Yeah. You know, so, so sometimes, and then we also have to understand that if we are going to civilly disobey, um, we have to be ready to pay the consequences. It's not like the government's going to say, uh-oh, Churches aren't doing what they're supposed to do. We better change our minds. The reality is they're going to be like, take, you know, we're going to have people at your doorstep. We're going to have, take away your taxes. There's all these things. And we have to be like, go ahead. We're going to worship anyway. Yeah. We have to be able to, you know, and hey, tax exemption is probably going to go away at some point. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't, but it probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already working on it there you know there's been movement where uh one of the few tax breaks that that clergy get um 
where um, they could remove the whole housing allowance idea. So that that's been worked on in the last few years. So, you know, churches got to be prepared. And, you know, if that's if that's the price you pay for preaching the gospel, then so be it. Um, I will say that if they do that, my only request is then they let us be paid like normal employees. With benefits, you mean? With, with benefits, or at least just withholding. You know, none of the self-employment paying, paying double self-employment tax. Uh, in fact, I think in one of the early episodes of Bible Banter, um, we were talking about uh, taxes as ministers, and I think it revealed uh, someone on the program, uh, not myself, and it wasn't a guest, so you can imagine who it was, uh, revealed that maybe they weren't so certain about their taxes as I was. And I was thinking, and I think I said to him, you might want to go see a, an accountant. <laughs> um because that whole second thing, uh, that'll get you. That'll get you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this isn't this isn't tax advice. This isn't Dave Ramsey show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how what, we you I, you and I don't disagree on these things. We just we're just doing things differently because we have different resources. We're in different contexts. So, mm-hmm. however, I do think that there have been times, um, at least in my experience here in our denomination that there have been those who have come across in i think the same spirit as gcc and phil johnson where they say well this is the way to do something right um and when you press them it seems they reluctantly share that there could be other ways but this is the most faithful way um how do we engage with brothers like that? Um, how do we engage with those in matters that we think we should show charity on, but maybe they are more reluctant to show charity? I mean, in my mind, take the high road. <laughs> you know, don't don't start fighting fire with fire. You know, and at some point, the time will come when well, this discussion is over. Let's let's part before we become enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, type of deal, you know, because, hey, uh, Paul, not that it was right. Again, scripture describes this. It doesn't condone this, but Paul and Barnabas had to separate ways over disagreement. But then it seems like there was some sort of reconciliation because he invites John uh, John Mark back into the fold where he was mm-hmm. kind of a wishy-washy fellow. Um, but uh, it, it just takes patience and siding on the air the side you know erring on the side of grace mm-hmm. um and, but i think the key is just trying to be patient and long-suffering with our brothers mm. um and trying not to get into the the type of warfare that they're using <laughs> against you mm-hmm. um but it's really hard because it's eventually you want to say you're not hearing me stop it and by the way <laughs> who do you think you are <laughs> I, I had in mind, like, I was looking at a few different scriptures, and I just had a couple that that I I need this because I'm full of um, uh, vigor sometimes. I, I know that I can have a moxie. I'm not full of moxie. Um, I, you know what? Let's just do this for – are there th- – name, like, three things worse tasting than moxie. I challenge you. Okay poop although i assume 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that wall. <laughs> oh, that wall. You heard it here first. <laughs> I can imagine tastes bad. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. A little Freudian slip there. <laughs> Are these things I've actually tasted or I can imagine? Yeah, things that you've actually tasted. Poop's number one of them. Oh, that's a challenge. I don't need... Um, There's got to be something, Mike. I, I mean, it's moxie. It can't be that bad. I'm trying to think, my friend. No, I honestly can't think of anything that, like, I'm just so disgusted by having tasted that I think is worse than moxie. Tom says apple cider vinegar. I've never had it, but I use it to mix with barbecue sauce for my chicken. Yeah. It is so good. I stupidly thought that the internet was right and that apple, apple cider vinegar is a good like replacement for like Tums to kind of get your acid reflux down. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> okay, so I would say the initial taste of apple cider vinegar is better than Moxie, but the aftertaste and after experience is much worse. So I have maybe one thing that is equivalent to Moxie. Okay. Um, you don't like cucumbers, Mike? I do not like cucumbers, but I'll eat a cucumber before I'll drink Moxie. Cucumbers are delicious. They taste like water. Stop it. Okay. They do not taste like water. Because I love water. <laughs> they taste I like cucumbers. Some people combine. By the way, I have not had this in probably 15 years, but I remember one time I had I had cucumber inside of water, and it was the best water I've ever had. That's what not. they say. I don't believe it. So good. I think um, you're right it. Anyway, there's only one thing that I've had that is on par with how terrible Moxie is. And I know I'm going to say it, and there are people that are either going to be like, like ardently opposed to what I'm about to say, and there are going to be those who are with me 100%. Black licorice. Black licorice is disgusting. I, I am with you. I will say it is on par with Moxie. Yeah. I, I would rather eat just about anything um, than that. I don't, I've never heard of liver mush. I'll eat that. I, I'll, I'll give that a try. Yeah. I'll, give, yep. I'll, give I'll have that over Moxie any day. <laughs> um, so I back to the scriptures I was going to read. Sorry, I just get distracted really easily. Um, but here, here was one that I thought, right? Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing mm -hmm. with one another in mm -hmm. love. And Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Um, I'm so quick sometimes, man, to just react um, in a visceral way. And um, I know that I need the scriptures to guide me in this, that this is a maturity thing in my own heart. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight, but something I need the spirit working in. Um, I sense a, a lot of the way that Phil, Phil's coming across in these tweets. Um, I'm sympathetic because I see that can sometimes be my first reaction too. Um, although I've watched plenty of videos with Phil in them. Uh, I don't know if he's ever laughed in his life. So he just might not. And that's not a Twitter's not a good place. If you don't have a sense of humor, you should see if you can get him on for an episode. I'm afraid our listenership 
our viewership would dwindle to negative <laughs> ten. People are used to laughing. <laughs> at or with us? <laughs> uh, mostly at, I believe. Um, especially when Luke's here. So Daniel Bickford is really revealing how poor taste he has. He says, oh, black licorice and moxie are great together. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> yeah. Why are you the things that you choose to be? <laughs> so so i just how, how do you how do you guide through this stuff like what, what um if someone comes to you and is like man I'm, I'm really uh i feel jilted or you know what here's a better question here's a better question mike um church member comes to you and says hey i have a real struggle with how we're gathering together i feel convicted one way or another um mm. and it's different from how we're handling it as a church like my conscience is bound to do this thing. Um, how do you therefore handle it? A lot of listening and asking questions, clarifying questions with the, with the attempt at, if I disagree, asking questions that might help them come to my side or I might be, or in reality, I want to listen to their concerns because am I missing something? Should my conscience be pricked like theirs is? And, and I think that's the, that's the side that a lot of times, especially in our culture today, church and outside is we're not listening to be challenged or to grow. We're listening so that we can respond. Um, and so, or to solidify our own point of view, mm -hmm. um, it's not a, an item to grow. So a church member and, and, and I'll be honest, it'll depend on the church member. I'll be honest. Like if it's somebody that's kind of just on the, the outskirts and they're just not, and it depends on what, how, what their reasoning for their convictions are. There's a lot of, a lot of things, but if it's kind of someone that's been a member for like a, for like a month. Um, but they've shown no real desire to, you know, continue to be involved. Then I'm going to, I'm going to be like, well, stick with us for a little bit longer and, and see how you feel and pray about it and pray with me about it. I'll still listen. Uh, but if it's a longtime member, you know, who's raising things other than it's net, we've never done it this way type of argument. I'm convicted because we've always had stained glass lit up at the front of the church. <laughs> No, that, that, no, that's not a valid argument. But if, it, if it's coming with thought out prayer, scripture, and all these things, and I, I think I owe it to our people as their shepherd to listen and listen well and seek the Lord if my heart is being challenged, because that can happen. Challenge can be, pastors can be, and leadership can be rightfully challenged by their flock. Mm -hmm. uh, I would think, I got one one thing to say out of that okay and it's whether or not those stained glass windows are trying to depict jesus and if so take the stained glass window down the one in front of our church is um may i point you to the second commandment but mm -hmm. i'm just kidding mm -hmm. anyway <clears throat> um i'll leave that to a minute i would appreciate if you would shave that beard okay <laughs> Like you are trying to Listen, uh, um, St. Charles of London, uh, Spurgeon type, he uh, he says that it is a great, holy, and manly thing to have a beard. 
Um, stained glass is pretty. I love stained glass. Paintings are beautiful. They are good stuff. But um, ones that seek to depict Jesus sounds like a second commandment violation. But I'll leave that there. Um, I like the way you, you're, you're talking about this, Mike. I'll tell you when I was listening to um, – it was interesting to hear the same question was essentially posed to Mark Dever in a, a recent part, podcast by Jonathan Lehman. You know what Mark's, uh, Mark's answer was? What was that? Brother, I love you. You need to go worship on, with another church um, mm. that is doing it that way. If your conscience is bound, and to go against that conscience in this matter would be sinful, according to Romans 14, um, yeah. then you need to go worship with them. Yeah. And Mark said the brother, the brother's response was, whoa, 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 wait, wait, that's not really what I meant. Mm -hmm. And Mark's like, well, that's what I heard. <laughs> so let's, let's flesh this out a little bit more. So it wasn't necessarily that this individual was convicted um, by their conscience or bound by their conscience that um, they needed to meet in the church facility. And again, their church is actually meeting down the street, a few miles away in, um, in Virginia, because in DC, they weren't allowed to meet. So, um, yeah. So, so I think it's important for us to, to know that we're having some of these conversations because I know like in my church, um, I would say probably 80 to 90% of our average attendance that we have prior to COVID has continued throughout COVID in our outdoor services. But there are some who, um, for one reason or another, just don't feel comfortable get, getting at whether it's because it's outside or maybe for some, maybe they think everything's a hoax and a conspiracy and whatever it is. Well, there's not much you can do about that. Now, when you when you have these outdoor services, are people staying in their cars, or are they getting out and setting up chairs, or do you set up chairs like a like a sanctuary or auditorium? Do you provide seating? How does that look? Uh, yeah, good question, man. So at first, it was people sitting in their cars, and I even encouraged people as it got hotter, if you need to turn your car on and put the AC on, uh, we'll turn the speakers up. These amps go to eleven. Uh, no one got the reference. And if you got the reference of amps going to 11, God bless you. If you didn't learn, go watch some 80s movies. Right. But um, so, so they were doing that. And then like a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we started um, encouraging people to get out. And we did this by moving everything to our, before I was preaching, you've probably seen the picture on Facebook. You see it on my Twitter feed of me preaching on the pickup truck. I'm on the cement pavement um, raised in my pickup truck. And then everybody else is parked in the um, on the pavement. Well, we have since moved the service um, site. It's on it's on our grounds, but on the side of the church, mm -hmm. in the grass. So I'm now in the grass, and um, on the I'm like you have to get out of your vehicle to come onto the grass so that you're in the shade of trees. So we did this because we had trees around that area to provide shade because before. It was super hot. I mean, you're talking 930 in the morning. It's probably 85, 80, you know, between 85 and 90. Um, if you have a gentle breeze, it doesn't feel so bad. But in the sun, it's killer. So now I'm the one standing in the sun, um, which which is a challenge in one way. But because I feel like I'm in a sauna, so I get sweat just pouring down me. I look like T.D. Jakes and um <laughs> a little different but okay <laughs> no just just the same we're brothers man um so uh, 
so I'm sweating like TD Jakes and everybody has like the, the, the shade and, and whatnot. It's really cool, man. Like this past Sunday, we had kids on blankets. Um, we had families together for the most part, people remain socially distant. Some people still stay in their vehicles and they just ride their vehicles up onto the grass. It is a sight to behold, man. It is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and questions, and questions about the second commandment. Is that what you're going to bring up? Yeah, well, I, someone was wondering the details about the picture, so I tried to take a picture of it. I don't know if you can kind of see that. That's what it looks like in the front of our church. And it is actually very beautiful, minus what you might consider heresy. And, um, and to kind of answer Palma's um, question, uh, um, it depends on what you define as worship. <laughs> Like, how hard do you battle to keep them? So, for example, right now what we have is uh, uh, our projector screen comes and covers that because it's set, like, over our baptismal, like, behind that is our, where our baptisms and above it is the window. And so most of the service when we're projecting things, um, you know, the, the screen comes down and covers that. And I do, I know slash suspect there are many people that are very much annoyed, angered, frustrated, or hurt that we have that screen coming down and blocking uh, the picture of uh, Jesus. Well, uh, just tell them you have a crazy friend down in North Carolina who thinks that even the, the existence of it is sinful. Well, here, here's where my, my personality uh, bit me in the rear end, okay? So I heard my frustration about this window with a group of pastors, and they jokingly said, you should take a picture of the window and put it up at, on your PowerPoint. And I'm like, done. I'm like, that's going to show you them. Did not do that. And so what I did is I took a picture and I put it as the transition, a, a picture of the stained glass as transitions between each song, thinking that people were like, okay, we get the point, you know, yada, yada. Nope. They love it. Really? Absolutely love it. God bless them, man. You, I know. You know what, like, the greatest thing, the greatest thing about the church is how patient they can be with their pastors. Oh no, no um, doubt. Like, no doubt. Like Blessed I have, church is so patient with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, man. And yeah. that's why, like, some of the guys that are, I'm in a group chat that includes Bickford and and Tom Longry, and uh, they joke with me because there are two things that I'm I that set me off that get me going. The second commandment, because for some reason we just throw that out. And then two, um, VeggieTales. I loathe VeggieTales. I want, like, and the thing is, like, Phil Vischer, the creator of VeggieTales, nicest guy in the world, did, like, an article, an interview on TGC, like, re almost repenting of VeggieTales, being like, ooh, sorry, guys, I really went wrong here. No one seems to listen to him, and everybody still loves VeggieTales. VeggieTales is of, uh, I'm not, I don't want to exaggerate, but it's I'll be so honest. good. VeggieTales, as now that they're on Netflix, is probably the best stuff. And and actually, we're going to be developing and using that exclusively for our children's ministry here at Blessed Hope. Are are you trying to make me lose my cool here on like on purpose, or are you just are, is this a real thing, or is this or are you just messing with me? Because I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I have a range of emotions that are flowing through my veins. I'm trying to adhere to the advice that I just gave to Phil Johnson, who is probably a way more mature and deeper brother. Um, 
Listen, we're just being missional so, and we're, we're being cultural. You know, we're, we're working within context, contextualizing our message. And if we need to use Netflix's version of VeggieTales, then who are you to judge? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Phil. Listen, Phil. No, no, we, we do not use right. we do not use for our ministry. We we actually are using I, Crossways or not Cross Lifeways Bible Project. Yeah, T, TGP is awesome. Um, VeggieTales. There are some good episodes of VeggieTales. I love. I love the idea of talking, like talking vegetables to me is tremendous. I love the idea. I'm not even making fun. I like it. I like cartoons. Okay. Um, the bet, you know, if do you have right now media. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like the, the best cartoon on there is probably, um, um, uh, what Theo, Theo presents. Have you seen that one? No. Yeah really okay i don't know what's wrong with you um theo presents is probably the best one on there anyway um veggie tales there's there's some good episodes but what turns me off is the kids were watching that this was probably five years ago now right this is how how long i hold a grudge five years ago man my kids are like three and five at that point and they're watching um what was it the fiery furnace they were watching mm -hmm. the fiery furnace. You know what the main point of application and the main point of that story was um, that that VeggieTales wrote into it? Don't play with matches. <laughs> that would have been better. Uh, <laughs> obey your parents. Really? How did they obey get your, obey your parents? And I thought, oh. like, I I asked the kid, I'm like, what, what what are you watching? They said VeggieTales. And I about and I banned VeggieTales in my house. They're no longer allowed to watch VeggieTales. I will as soon let them watch PG-13 R-rated movie. I'll let my kids watch Star Wars, okay? But I will not let them watch VeggieTales. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell us how you really feel. VeggieTales is the Antichrist. <laughs> I thought I thought that was the Pope. <laughs> that him too. You know what? Him too. There's more than one. <laughs> so uh, so Brian, I think you I think you are being less than generous with the statements I had. I simply said I love. I said I love stained glass windows. I don't like. Uh, it's not that I don't like them. It's that I believe the scriptures convict me in a sense that depictions of Jesus in way in most ways that we see it today is a violation of the second commandment. Same way that we uh, in some paintings, God is depicted as a father. God, the father is depicted as a um, as an old man with a beard and, and all this other stuff. You don't get that from scripture. Um, in the depiction of the Holy Spirit as a dove. I believe the, I don't think we've seen that necessarily in scripture other than the, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, dove which is very important. Um, anyway, I digress. We should be more charitable with one another. Like veggie tales? No. 
forget <laughs> VeggieTales, okay? I have forgiven Phil Vischer. He has repented. He has acknowledged that he could have created better content and has since created better content. Mm-hmm. More Christ-centric and biblical content. Yep. Well, the Bible is, is a solid follow-up to VeggieTales. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's in the Bible is phenomenal. Right. Um, Eric hates the illiterate and children. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I love the illiterate and love children that I want to see them educated and discipled with good resources. <laughs> Um, I, I do appreciate your your disagreement here, Glenn. I think um, I think we can agree. I think this is a matter of conscience, not a matter of uh, you know regarding of what to watch on TV. Because I'm I've said this to my congregation. I say it to other people, whether it's what you listen to on the radio or or what you watch on TV, I am far more discriminatory towards Christian artists or, or those who try to portray themselves as Christian than I am towards those who don't try to portray themselves as Christian. Um, so if people try to portray themselves as Christian and they sing about non-Christian or, or themes that sound kind of Christian, but they're not, I have no use for it. But if you're telling me straight up, I'm not Christian, then I'm not expecting you to act Christian, talk Christian or anything like that. So that's a whole other thing. Maybe it's just because I'm weird, which it very well could be. Eric, don't like children. Now, so Tom now has started a thing because now Brian thinks I don't like children. No, I love children. Children are a treasure. Okay. Do you think I don't like children? Okay, fine. You know what? I don't care, Mike. I don't care what you think. I think you love your children. I, lo- I love children. I think we need to be educating them well with good resources. Um, I don't think VeggieTales is a good resource. I think it- When there's better options out there. uh, If it's VeggieTales or nothing, I'm choosing nothing. (laughs) Um, I mean, because here's the thing. It's like, here's a moralistic story wrapped in the title of Christian. There's no gospel. There's no, it's, you know, there's no gospel in there. So what's the point? moralism doesn't save you moralism condemns you to hell without christ that's where you're right. destined to go so so to bring it back where is the gospel in phil johnson's response to the pushback from nine marks um <laughs> um i don't know phil if you're watching this <laughs> <tell us. laughs> well he'll probably say i'm standing up for the clear commands of scripture yeah and so that when when I'm standing up for the clear commands of Scripture, that takes a bold, courageous, you know, voice, stern even voice. So there's the gospel for you. And I do I appreciate Phil. I appreciate all those guys over at GCC and 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 um, Grace to You Ministries, John MacArthur. I mean, they are um, tremendous shepherds. Um, they are wise men. And if I were in their shoes, I might follow suit as far as having church services. I don't know. I'm not in their shoes, which is why I think we need to show charity. And I think that's right. the point of Lehman and all over on the nine mark side. Um, I, and I and I think what's lost in this is if you pressed um, Phil and others, I think that they would share in that sentiment. They're just talking about it in two different ways. Hmm. 
Did you know that the poor eat books? <laughs> Apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, good point, Palma. When VeggieTales was introduced, there weren't... Um, oh, yeah, I remember when they came out. It was cutting edge. Was like, it really? Yeah. So I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't know these things. Yeah. No, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Like, that was the, that was the thing. That was because that was a follow up to McGee and me and like Salty the Songbook and what? All these other things. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a whole history here that you're missing from the 90, eight, late 80s and 90s of Christian uh, video entertainment. Oh, my goodness. Um, Brian, I do appreciate you, you prodding me. Um, you know, he, Brian suggests, and I, and I believe I'm going to believe that. Um, what are you doing, Mike? Just so. Oh. So you're not alone uh, in that. Yeah. So, so I believe Brian is trying to just poke at me. I don't think he means this seriously. <laughs> he says, too many books behind you. The poor are weeping and hungry. Um, there are many poor who are weeping and hungry. And I pray that we have continued opportunity to minister to them. Um, not only in the physical means of grace by giving them food and shelter, but also um, with the means of the gospel. And I am grateful for um, those who came before me. Um, I stand on their shoulders as we continue to proclaim that gospel. And I, uh, as a minister, it is my responsibility to engage with those who have long passed and write good books so I can better understand and comprehend and be sharper. Um, so that we can give that to uh, the poor in spirit, not just the poor financially. I think that's well stated, my friend. Thank you. You should you should tweet that out. Hashtag. Uh, can you throw it up on the bottom so I can type it out? Uh, well, I, Wait, you weren't you weren't reading that. I wasn't reading that. No. Should, did it sound like I was reading that? Yes. Wow. I feel like you've said it before. I don't think I have. Really? I wow. assure you I didn't write that. Wow. I don't know That's if you I think you're giving me a hard time. That that just shows your your heart's your heart for good literature and good books. I think it, it just flows three freely from you. I think you're giving me a hard time. <laughs> Does this look like giving you a hard time face? Your every face looks like you're giving me a hard time. <laughs> um I appreciate I appreciate you joke with me, Brian. I do think you know, we, we have to get our understanding of things from scripture, which is why I land where I do on the second commandment. Um, I do have a more nuanced view. I'm, I don't take the hardline Presbyterian view of the second commandment. Um, like I've been part of Facebook groups where they don't even allow you to post pictures of Jesus or like fake pictures of Jesus, whatever you want to call it. A, a proposed, I don't even know what to call them. I don't even have terminology for it because I think that any, any, attempt at depicting jesus isn't really depicting jesus to me it's just foolish because you can't depict him but they don't even allow those things um i do find it somewhat entertaining when i see people share pictures of ewan mcgregor on facebook uh as obi-wan kenobi and say i bet you won't share jesus and so oh my gosh uh, i hate that too like i'm like it takes everything within me not to like comment on those pictures. First of all, it takes everything within me not to comment on anything that says, if you love Jesus, you'll share this, or you're not, you're ashamed of me if you don't share this, that type of nonsense. It's like a chain letter. 
Like what makes that any better than a chain letter? Like you're going to get hit by a bus if you don't forward this in seven days. Dude. So I, so Robin and I were talking about this for those who don't know, Robin is my, is my lovely and beautiful wife. So we were talking about this the other day when we were watching an episode of the office. Um, that's some good. I do not let my kids watch the office just so you know. Um, but, uh, Mike, do you let your kids watch the office? No, not okay. yet. Good parenting, good parenting there. So, um, but we were talking because there's an episode where Michael, uh, he's the boss in the show his thing he he says this in the show it's one of the first few episodes he says his thing is to forward emails he's the forward email guy and yes. i remember saying to robin robin like i remember back in like the early 2000s that yeah. was the thing everybody was forwarding emails you had like your own email distribution list and you forwarded stuff to people and it was so super common like because I was working in an office environment in 2006 because I joined the army and I was an Intel guy. So I was fully involved in these types of things. Yeah. There's, there's certain retired pastors in the Adam Christian denomination that like to forward a ton of things too. Still? Still. Um, would they share a name with say the governor of Massachusetts? I, I have to, I don't know the name of the governor of Massachusetts. <laughs> Never mind. I was just trying to play a game here. Okay. <laughs> if I knew that, I could better get in on the joke. <laughs> uh, if it is who I think you're talking about, he's a great guy. I'm not part of his email distribution list, so I can't. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, w- I was saying to Robin, like how people share those things today on Facebook, that's the new email chain letter. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And even some of them make it into private messages. Yes, I here here hey here is a uh, public service announcement. If you message me on Facebook and it looks even slightly like just a random forward, I'm mm-hmm. not even opening it. Same here. I, I'm assuming it's a virus. Same here. And just a note to everybody: Facebook doesn't really wa- won't pay attention or value anything you post that says you don't give them permission for anything in your status. It won't change your newsfeed. There's no way to unlock or lock down anything on your timeline by posting something in your status or newsfeed. That's just not how it works. It doesn't so hurt. I'm now going to do that. Just and tag you in it. And I'm going to report it as violating <laughs> community standards. <laughs> but <does> it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but i do like when those things come up it's baker (laughs) i I do it (laughs) steve's awesome so i I do like when i see those ewan mcgregor shares uh you know that say you need to share jesus or whatever i appreciate because usually it's a dear saint i appreciate the sentiment I appreciate their willingness to, in their mind, stand for Christ. Um, so I don't even know what to say in those circumstances. I mean, it's one of those few instances where I'm left speechless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate, but at the end of the day, it's not really doing much because it's just getting lost in people's news feeds. Um, it's better to actually think of somebody, pray for them, and pray for opportunity to actually share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. We should do an episode on social media. And then not project it to Facebook. Why would we do that? I don't know. See if they can find it. 
just to show how reliant people are on social media today. That sounds like a, that's don't take this personally. Don't take this personally, but it's, it's stupid. <laughs> this, is, this is this is S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Stupid. <laughs> You're right. You're not wrong. <laughs> so yeah, so I think that's it, man. We we solved the world's problems today. Um, I'm sure. sure I'm expecting Phil to message us back. Um, <laughs> Why do you hate our audience? I don't hate your audience. I'm just trying to help them. Uh, no, um, you missed the, the best part is he called you Uncle Mike, the crazy uncle. It's true. I am. I'm going to own that. But uh, yeah, you know what I think Tom should do? I think Tom should um, write a, an Advent Christian Voices article in response to both nine marks and gcc and or no let's make luke do it okay luke needs to write an article and uh and and at both of them and, and then that'll get us some marketing some play um on the sphere well i responded to to phil today and i yeah. added i added him and uh uh lehman so i don't know we'll, we'll see if i get a response i doubt it they're big dogs man I'm a little pup. It's true. You're a big pup in my book, though. Aw, no, no job too big, no pup too small. You don't know. You're not a fan of uh, yeah, Paw Patrol, man. My this, kids is how, this is how much you mean to me. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Mike decided to Mike decided to put my book in his uh uh what do you call it? in his background product placement that's what we call in the biz and then i decide to follow suit and my monkey my monkey's holding it your monkey's holding your book <laughs> my monkey one week i, I do support monkey i we're uh it is my emotional support monkey you want to see what it does yes i do Can you hear it? I can. It's it's laughing and passing gas. <laughs> like why you haven't already turned around and just pressed that like randomly is beyond me. I do. I I, I do every once in a while when I'm having a rough day. Um, I I do press it. So someone in the church got it for me for Christmas one time because I was telling them, they're asking me if I ever get frustrated. And I said, um, sometimes I do get frustrated and I feel like a mon- like the monkey um, that you'd see in a doctor's office with the symbols. Yep. They just go like this. And I just feel like that sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, so they got me that monkey. Doesn't clap the symbols, but it does some things that are funnier. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, what Tom thinks this explains, but uh, anyway. I think it's the monkey. Oh. Explains everything about you. That's fair. So without further ado, why don't we get into everyone's favorite aspect of the show? Which is the Blessed Hope Catechism. Blessed Hope Catechism. And I'm going to do hope poorly again today. I'm, I'm not even going to try to cheat today. Okay. Don't try and cheat then. Uh, Stop I'm... looking at the screen then, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. All right, Mike, don't look at the screen. Close those eyes. 
expose them? I'm, I'm blocking the I'm okay. blocking the feed. Okay, I I trust you. I trust you. What did God say to Adam and Eve when He placed them in the Garden of Eden? You may eat of every tree except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Wrong. Uh, to eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the oh. good and evil. Boom! Mikey got it. Mikey likes it. Hype. <laughs> I'm your hype man. Are you? So, so Mike, this is the, we actually entered the second, or excuse me, the third section of the catechism, which is on sin. Or the technical term is homardiology. And we start with the command of God to not do a thing. To do a thing and then not to do a thing. And what do they do? They do the thing they were told not to do. Right. Whereas your book's all about doing the thing we're told to do with the people we're told to do it with. Boom. You know how people say, give me the name of a book or a movie say it in one sentence with the worst description ever i think you just did it (laughs) (laughs) to do a thing with the people that someone told us to do it with (laughs) 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 so um i will point this out the 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 object of of all sin is disobedience disobedience to god mm-hmm. so we get the most plain instruction from the ten commandments and we receive that and there are some that we probably are a bit more obedient in than others some make their way into our culture where some are more acceptable than others not even talking about the second commandment but um we need to be careful because god when he says to um when he says that we should not steal from someone, what is he also saying, Mike? Oh, you hold on. Like another 10 commandment. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, so if God says not to steal, right. Okay. So I, yeah. I got my, I got my trusty uh, Bible up here. Right. So he says in verse 15, you shall not steal. What mm-hmm. is he also saying in that statement? You should work. For your own benefit. Well, actually, Ephesians 4 answers that. No longer steal, but work so that you may give. Mm-hmm. You should you should not steal, but you should also protect your neighbor's property. You should care about your mm-hmm. neighbors. So if you're not to steal from your neighbor, you should protect, stand with your neighbor to protect their stuff. If you shall not bear false witness, what does that mean? You should be able to speak truth about your neighbor, not lies. Mm-hmm. Right. Brian, even if it was allegorical, there was still a sin that had to take place to condemn all humanity to sin. And with and then the only way out was through Jesus. Mm-hmm. You don't believe the garden's allegorical, do you? No. Oh, good, good. That would have to kick you off again. Not that we kicked you off before. No. No, I just don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Garden definitely not allegorical. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no, don't don't worry. I if I have to say it, I think the Garden of Eden was a real 
place that a real Adam and Eve were placed in to work, and they screwed it up royally by disobeying God. Yeah. Um, in a way, Brian, uh, in a way, God advocates private property rights. In a way, I think you are correct. In another way, I first think it's incumbent upon us to realize that all things belong to God. So the rights that we have over our property actually belong to God. He simply makes us a steward of those things. Um, it's one reason why I think property tax is um, wrong. But that's all yep. thing. Let's not get into that. Yeah, Tom's trying to bring up VeggieTales again. I'm not taking the bait again. I'm not taking the bait. So I'm sorry that we wasted the last 20 or 30 minutes talking about how uh, all of you are reprobate for liking VeggieTales and disobeying the second commandment. But, um, you know, sometimes we need gentle correction. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you for the way that you handled this. I, you know what? I love It's out of love. And um, I can't control myself whenever these two things come up. It's okay. You know, we understand who you are and we are willing to bear with you because we love you. We <laughs> love you so deeply. And we want you to do well in life and ministry and family. Well, we you. want you to do well. And so we are going to bear with you in these moments and we're going to take these things and we are going to sift them through the word of God, through the help of his spirit. I, <laughs> so this was a few years ago. It was a, it was a seminary class. And I forget the exact class it was in, but I remember there was a thread that we had to post. This was a Semlink class through Gordon Conwell. Um, you know, we're learning about how different scholars and theologians and pastors had a specific thread in which all the rest of their theology hinged on. Like it was the focal point of their theology. So for Luther, it was um, justification by faith alone. For Calvin, might be the so sovereignty of God. Um, so we all had to look at our own theology and think, what is it that the rest of our belief and system falls, falls with or, or hinges on? And I did not answer in this way, but my first reaction, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, was the abomination of veggie tales and the rise of the second commandment. I just thought that was a funny story. Apparently, it's not funny. Hilarious. Clearly not. You're not laughing. Anyway. <laughs> um, with that said, we're just we're just killing time at this point, Mike. That's true. You got yeah. you got any last minute thoughts? What in the world? Are you reading the comments? You really take the garden literal? I knew you were happy. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> um, Paul, I, I do absolutely. First off, I want to, before, before Mike shares this, yes, we should show grace towards those who disagree with yeah. us. I like to joke. I really don't refer to everyone as reprobate who disagrees with me on these issues. I just like to joke. I think they are issues that we should show charity. And if you want your kids watching Veggie Tales, um, I don't think it's wise, but you might think it is. Praise God for that conviction. Mm -hmm. 
Right, it's not that they're they're teaching something necessarily wrong. They're just going in a wrong direction. With my concern is that they're teaching moralism, not Christ. But te- right. what what they're saying is they're teaching Christ. So I'm going right. to teach you Christ, but it's like a bait and switch type thing. Right. Not with any and and not like with impure motives. I just think that it was purely accidental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, do you want to tackle these last two? Yes. Well, I'll just say yes. We do. Liter- I do lit- take the Garden of Eden literally. Um, there's a, there's a, a lot that can go around th- that and what I mean by that. But I will say in the case of God looking for Adam, it wasn't that God was didn't know where he was, but I think it was more of another test God was putting into Adam to see would Adam reveal himself to see where his heart was in the moment. Would he, live, would he avoid? And I will say this, an interesting thing, if you look if you look this up, you can find it. If not, I have, I think I have the article. An old professor from Gordon Connell, Jeffrey Niehaus, I don't know if he still teaches there, but he's an Old Testament professor, did some studies on Ugaritic text, and that passage that says God was walking in the cool of the day, the, the word for cool of the day, may actually be a mistranslation and that God came in a whirlwind. Which makes a lot of sense when you think about when God came to speak to Job, he came in a whirlwind whirlwind to challenge Job. So God was pretty, it wasn't God's leisurely stroll through the garden. He was coming in knowing exactly what had happened and he's ready to deal with Adam and Eve and the serpent for what they've done. Well, it's important for us in, in, interpreting the bible and knowing that god like even when there's anthropomorphic um language in which god is walking through the garden or looking for um looking for adam when he uh, has us in his hands right jesus talks about us being in the father's hands um first off if you read that i don't understand how you can't uh believe in the absolute sovereignty of god and salvation but that's a whole other story Um, When he uses that language, it's to our accommodation is to speak in terms that we can understand as simple people, even the most incredibly gifted and intelligent people in the world, Mm -hmm. simple minded compared to God. So he must speak to us in such ways. It's like my three, well, not, it's like when my kids were three, I spoke to them as though they were three. Now when they're eight and 10, I speak to them as though they're eight and 10 year old, 10 year olds. How I speak to Mike is going to be different than how I speak to, to someone else because of, uh, for, you know, be, uh, because of shared background or we might have the same, you know, so when we're talking about sin, you and I might use the terminology homardiology, right? We might use that term. Not going to use that with a church member. They might not know it, and that's okay. They don't need necessarily need to know it, right? Um, just like if I go to an oncologist, I don't need to know all the different aspects of oncology. I just need to know I'm at the cancer doctor, right? Like right. so. By the way, I'm not seeing an oncologist. I, you know, I, I, I was just first thing that popped in mind. So, <laughs> um, yeah. If it's academic and peer reviewed, sure, message it to me. Okay. Anyway, Mike, this might be a good time for us to close our program for this afternoon. Um, I believe we're getting together on Thursday. That might be a little up in there. I might have some plans on Thursday. So you and I will, will talk about that off air. And okay. So tentatively, 
put in your calendar. Use a pencil, not a pen. Uh, we'll be back on two uh, on Thursday at two, and then next week, um, we're kicking off the show. It's been good while it lasted. Thursday will be your last show when we're well, maybe not forever, but um, uh, Luke will come back. And I will initially we planned that I would not be on the show. Uh, unfortunately, my plans to go to Massachusetts for a week have been delayed because the governor has passed, I think, an executive order limiting those who can come into the state from places like North Carolina, where we enjoy freedom. And uh, if we come into the state, we have to self-quarantine for 14 days. If not, we pay a fine of $500 a day. Hmm. That's pretty steep. I ain't got that kind of money, man. Man, they did a lot to keep you out of Massachusetts. I know, Brian. I would have to sell all my books to cover probably just one day of of that penalty. So that is rough. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here in North Carolina um, and enjoy freedom. So, all right. All right, Eric. It's been lovely. It has. Uh, Brian, it's also been fun engaging with you today down with Veggie Tales. God bless you guys. Take care. See you Thursday. Down with Veggie.